1: And hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation.
2: Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1104. I apologize. There was a little bit of like a two-week, almost a two-week gap in between the last episode and this one that's going up because... We shot um, the next season of The Wall (laughs) in about that time. And uh, yeah, we shoot them in about, you know, a week and a half or so. Uh, The Wall's premiering January 4th. So yeah, our fourth season. It was really fun. Um, But our days were really long, 12, 13 hours long. And, um, you know, also longer because we were uh, taking extra steps to be extra safe. uh, Very strict protocols in place as as they should be. And uh, just to make sure it was safe. Uh, to shoot but it was really fun to be uh, back on a set and working and giving away money to nice people and as you can probably hear my voice is shot because I've literally been shouting for like a week and a half on the wall (laughs) no go in the million no oh get out of there oh no oh it turned red ah so uh and it was just like Aside from a couple talking dead, you know a handful of talking deads over the summer i 've literally not done anything i haven 't worn. I have blisters on my feet from wearing uh, shoes with the suits because i haven 't worn suits in so long, not complaining at all, not complaining, very thankful and fortunate to have been able to to do this, uh, but it just it was like a whole other gear to get back into uh, super super fun though again uh, January fourth those are those are going to start premiering The Wall on NBC. But um, uh, I'd love to, for the corkboard today, the community corkboard ID10T events at ID10T.com. Uh, uh, an old friend of mine, Barry, and his friend Jason have uh, a company called Barry and Jason Games. And they've made some really fun games and they kick-started an officially licensed Anchorman game. Uh, so, he writes, uh, it's a really funny game based on the moment in the movie where Ron Burgundy's teleprompter is sabotaged, and he reads whatever's in front of him, so, now it is your turn to sabotage a teleprompter with ridiculous magnetic words as your friends try to read through the news, uh, without laughing, so... Uh, I highly recommend Anchorman the game from my friends, uh, Barry and Jason. They sent me one. Lydia and I have not had a chance to play it yet because I've been working, but, uh, but we certainly will. And, uh, and a fun, fun Christmas present, Anchorman the game. Uh, so you can just Google Anchorman the game or go on Amazon. It's on Amazon. You can get it there, uh, as well. So, uh, there it is. Uh, congratulations to Barry and Jason for making, uh, making a fun game. To help uh, distract people. All right, so this episode is Brian Cranston, whom I looked up because I couldn't remember the first... I knew he was on the podcast early, early, early on, and I'm looking it up right now. First appearance on the podcast, August 25th, 2011. Um, We had met, I don't know, like a month or two before that. We both had done uh, the Conan O'Brien show and... And I was like, hey, man, I'm doing this thing, and we, we had a ton of fun on the show, and Brian's so funny and riffy, and he's, he's really an amazing comedy guy. I mean, you know, you, sometimes people have to be reminded, like, oh, yeah, before Breaking Bad, he was on Malcolm in the Middle, like, and he'd done sitcoms for years, but he's just a great actor top to bottom overall, but also really funny and, and improvy. And so we had a really great time, and I think I remember at the time kind of even explaining what a what the, a podcast was back in two thousand. Oh, it's like a it's like a radio show, but like for the internet. And it's just funny that we've come full circle with podcasts, where you know, eleven years ago, ten years ago, almost eleven, when we started doing this, we're still in the space where we'd have to explain what a podcast is, and now every now I feel like all those people we would have explained to, to a podcast they all have podcasts now. Uh, so, it, you know, listen, we were on the right track. It worked. Um, and uh, and so he's been on several times throughout the years, and uh, and I got to do the Talking Bad after show for Breaking Bad, but I just adore him. He's just so sweet, so funny, uh, and just a really smart guy, and also really comfortable in his own skin, which is something that he's talked about on the podcast for years, and something I, I really admire. He just doesn't really get too worked up about any unnecessary things and um, uh, and is very focused on what he wants to do and just does things that he enjoys and you know has a great family and so uh, I love you Brian Cranston and he has a new show out which is called Your Honor uh, which is on Showtime and looks amazing like when you see the premise for it he explains it in a podcast but if you watch a trailer for it it's like oh this is going to be one of those ones where you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time. Uh, it looks really, really, really fantastic. So um, thank you to Brian Cranston for coming back on and continuing to be uh, a, a wonderful human being and friend here. Oh, and by the way, we recorded this about six weeks ago, I think. Six, seven weeks ago, and uh, I had just held it because this is around the time when uh, Your Honor premiered, premiered a week ago. So there you go. Uh, your Honor on Showtime, Brian Cranston on this podcast, you on your device listening to this podcast, me on this podcast saying, roll the thing.
1: Initiating ID10T protocol.
2: I'm, uh, how are you, man? I'm good. I, you're fine. Don't worry about it. It's. We're, uh, I mean, I got no fucking place to go. We're in a like kind of a quarantine, so it's like, you, it's fine to be late now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm in, uh, I have to do this on my iPhone because I'm in New Orleans shooting uh, a limited series, and I have no power. From the hurricane, took out my power, so I've been trying to power up, (laughs) borrowing electricity
2: from people in the midst of all that you still came on to do this podcast that is of course one of the reasons why i love you so i have my little
3: power pack here that i'm gonna plug into my (laughs) yeah i gotta i gotta plug it in here so um all
2: right. So this, this podcast could be like 12 minutes long. Right? As you go, you know, the, the thing that I've discovered about life that I life think is the is, most valuable. Yeah. <laughs> ah, fuck. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. How long's your power been out?
3: Uh, since Wednesday night.
2: Oh my god. Yeah. That's crazy. Are are you, are, you, are you okay?
3: I am. I'm going to now turn you upside down so that my cord can
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was like doing a roller coaster <laughs> I'm,
3: am i right side up to you now
2: you are no. you're great you're perfect
3: i'll see you now you look sideways to me i'll, I'll have to do it sideways how's that yeah that you look great that looks great
2: okay okay
0: oh uh, my and gosh how's the sound?
2: should i do anything should i get on my uh no you're fine Okay. We're just gonna rip the audio from this, but it's just nice to see your face. It's good Thanks, to, bud. You too. To How are you, you. Uh, man? I, it, you know, I was just flipping through like suggested Instagram videos the other day, and I saw this video. It was you holding Walt. You you take the Walter White mask off, and it's you underneath. And I go, oh, that's really funny. And then I hear this familiar voice, and I go, that sounds familiar. I go. Wait, that's me. I moderated that panel. I completely forgot. It was like eight years ago. Yeah. I'm just watching this go, oh my God, that's so fucking cool. Brian Cranston's under that Walter White mask. And then I hear a voice go, hey, that's Cranston. I go, what the? Oh, fuck, that's me. Like, I <laughs> don't fucking know what's going on anymore. Yeah, it. it
3: well, this new world has got us spinning a little bit Uh, don't you
2: feel like you're like a little spun out um spun out but i think it's also just getting older too where it's like it's just like you only have so much ram there's only so much memory you know in the old computer and sometimes it uh you know it 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 just makes room for things (laughs) oh my god were you have you been in uh, how long you been in new orleans uh well
3: we started over a year ago to do this limited series for Showtime called Your Honor.
2: Oh, yeah, I saw the trailer. It looks real stressful. (laughs) Yeah, it's very (laughs) stressful. We need to add a little more stress to people's lives (laughs) right now. It's fictionalized stress.
3: That's why we got to do it. Uh, um, (laughs) It's a really good show, and and, uh, we're excited about it. Um, But we started last September, September of 19. We got shut down in March like everyone else. And... I had COVID 19, so did my wife.
0: Oh my and, God.
3: Yeah. It was, uh, we were, as it turns out, we were very lucky in that the symptoms were very mild. We had, you know, like body aches for two or three days, but not bad enough to keep you in bed. Just like, uh, I just don't quite feel right. It's, I feel like I need to sleep more and just total exhaustion. And then my, our, our uh, senses of, of taste and smell went away for three months. And oh slowly it's been coming back. Um, and so now I, my, taste, my taste buds and my sense of smell are probably back 70%. Uh, oh, my God.
2: So you got it really early on. In March, early March, yeah. And that, and that was, and did you know right away or did you find out afterwards that you had the antibody? So you suspected that that's what it was. I knew right away only because, um,
3: my wife, uh, we have a doctor who lives across the street from us and it was so early on, there weren't many people testing. And he said, well, you should take this test. Okay. And she did. And she had it, but we had been together, um, for 10, 10 days. And, and I thought, Oh, well, if she's got it, then I've got it. Um, and sure enough, I, a few days later, I started uh, feeling the same symptoms that she had. And it was weird. Uh, so we shut down in, in New Orleans. We had about two and a half episodes left to shoot. And so then seven months later, as we all know, Um, now we came back about three weeks ago to finish shooting and, um, we have had some false positives, but we're testing three, three times a week, the entire cast and crew and is very, very uh, strict. Uh, and rightfully so, uh, we've, and we've had some false positives, which, is great that they're false, but it also delays us as far as our schedule is concerned, because they have to isolate people who tested initially positive. And until we we confirm that they're not, it's like, oh my God. Right. So we're all trying to figure out the protocols and how to work within it. And so we actually work in shields. We have these shields that you wear around your neck that goes up as opposed to the ones you wear around your head. Yeah. Yeah down so that it doesn't uh, uh mark up our face or our hair you know for actors to, uh, then we take the shield off and do the scene and cut shields we put
2: the shields back on that's constantly. why pets wear those cones too so it doesn't mess up their makeup yeah, i know yes
3: yeah,
0: yeah.
2: exactly right yeah. and so you don't also so you don't chew your arm they they want you that you don't you're not supposed to chew your arm either it was both yeah. either makeup yeah.
3: Or chew your arm, or,
2: or chew, or chewing your arm, I, man. I can't believe. You know, this is like you, Tom Hanks. Like you guys had it early on. Like you, and it. It, it seems like was it scarier at that time because it was obviously it's still a mysterious disease, but it, uh, but it was way more mysterious in March. So, were, was it? was it stressful per se, or was it like, well, you know, I, I mean, we don't feel terrible. So I guess, you know, we'll just count our blessings there. I think the, the ignorance is bliss uh,
3: scenario was more apropos because it, it wasn't, wasn't widely known. Uh, there was, uh, everyone was talking about it. It's coming, how severe it's going to be, how each individual reacts to it is is going to be of question. So we just didn't know. And then when Robin went through it first and, um, it seemed, she seemed to manage. Okay. Uh, and then I got it. Um, we kind of went through it and despite the week long feeling of absolute exhaustion and fatigue, um, then we were pretty much past it with the exception of the, the taste buds and the sense of smell.
2: And uh, but we didn't was how long before you had a negative test again, was it you, did you start testing regularly after that point? Cause there really actually weren't a lot of tests available early on. Yeah.
3: Well, because I, the CBS, uh, which, you know, and Showtime uh, they wanted me to test and to make sure that, you know, because I was around a crew of 175 people. And so I did get in and test. And, and um, once I was shown that I was now negative, that that was a good sign. And, and I started donating plasma because my antibodies were active. And so I did that at UCLA Medical Center and donating the plasma and, you know, doing what, what you can um, to try to see if we can help out, and you know, uh, this is so insidious, COVID nineteen because it goes anywhere from even less symptoms than I had, being completely asymptomatic, all the way to death. You just don't. You and don't know in between. You have no idea, and it doesn't matter. My assistant, a young woman who's thirty four years old in a peak of health had it much worse than I did oh wow why I'm in my 60s she's in her 30s right and she was bedridden I have a an, one of my agents also a young guy in his late 30s um, he told me he said it, it felt like an elephant was compressed on his chest he couldn't he was struggling to get air it's, oh and my it's like God So it's, it's wide range. You don't know. It's a, it's a spin of the wheel to find out how you would react to, to when you contract it. And so that's why just wear the mask, you know, we're, we're in a world where
2: just do it. Yeah. Because I would say like, it doesn't, you know, our, our feeling, my wife and I's feeling, and she's, she is a little bit high of a risk because she has some kidney stuff that it And so, you know, we've been extra, extra careful, but also it's like, yeah, you might get it and it might be mild, but then the person that you could give it to, it might devastate them. So it's like, you know, like, you're just kind of hoping people realize that, yeah, yeah, it is about you, but it's also about the community. And it's also about not spreading it to other people and try to to imagine that, you know? I I, I think there's a –
3: I hate to say it, but I've been – somewhat disappointed in humanity as you know American humanity about not wearing the mask you know I I went for I always go for these long walks just to clear my head and went for one the other day and here in New Orleans there's a place that a lot of the Tulane University kids go and there's massive amounts of of college-age kids from Loyola and Tulane and watching the sunset and playing frisbee and, and that's all great. Maybe three people out of the masses of people were wearing masks, maybe three.
2: Oh man. It's
3: like, okay. All right. So yeah, you, nothing may happen to you. And I, and I, I granted, was I the same way when I was, you know, late teens or early to absolutely. The, The thought of, I'm not gonna I'm fine. I'm not gonna catch this. I'm I'm healthy. I'm I'm great and it's not gonna happen. And you're right. And and like you said, you could get it and nothing happens. But if you go visit your old aunt and uncle or your grandparents, that's not
2: the same thing. Yeah, I mean it so taking walks every day is how you've been kind of dealing and sort of is that cause we got it we got a dog in February and we had been taking him on evening walks and as someone who's never taken Evening walks before I developed a real love for it because it's it's incredibly therapeutic.
3: It really is. It's uh, and also getting back to the age things. Yes, you're you're aging, Chris. So <laughs> ah,
0: <that's>...
2: come on! <laughs> no, that happens to other people. not <laughs> yeah. supposed to happen I... to me? I'm always twenty three in my head, right? Isn't that how it works?
3: No, you know what? What the first thing is when I, and it's going to hit you at some <laughs> oh, point. <shit. laughs> when you you and your wife and your dog are going to go for a walk and there's going to be some college kids walking by looking at you and your wife and dog and they're going to go oh isn't that cute
2: (laughs) see they can stay in love forever and you know it's like oh my god and then and then inside i'll just have this silent well of hatred for their youth. It's, you know, it's not their fault, but it's just like, uh, yeah, don't even yeah. look at us. God damn it. In my day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, listen, I, we're already doing that because we, we've we already, you know, we, we have had the same experience where we'll just like drive by a park and there's just people and I'm like,
0: no one's wearing fucking masks. What's happening?
2: <laughs> you know, just like having that, <laughs> that old person meltdown. Yeah, you want to you want to shout out the window and go, Joe, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> get off my lawn. But then also yes. put a mask on as you're getting off my lawn. That's right. Put the mask on yep. as you're getting off. My
3: mask lawn. on while you're getting off my lawn. Pick up I'm, that dog poop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bring an extra mask. Scoop up the poop. You, you Use the empty mask yeah. on your face. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm I'm so glad you're okay, and I'm so glad. And you look you look great. You look incredibly healthy. You know, it's, you, you've somehow, you, you somehow, it looks like you're aging backwards. Cause I remember you were on the podcast maybe eight or nine years ago and you were talking about, let you go. Yeah. You know, I used to ride around the motorcycle all the time and I never wore sunscreen or anything. And I got all this crag now and that's all gone. You look really, you look great. What are you doing? Are you moisturizing? Are you, are you eating more vegetables? I need secrets.
3: Uh Chris, I'm I'm I've looked this way for twenty years and I'm finally looking my age. It's like I don't I've think you to... are. Listen, don't piss me
2: off, okay? <laughs> oh shit. But... <laughs> I will come after you. I'm on my phone. I don't have power. I had COVID a few months ago. <laughs> I'm not in the fucking mood. <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> no,
3: and you're you're a sweetheart to say that. Um no, you're just trying to you're just trying to be better to yourself. You know, you realize you got it, your body's going to change. Your metabolism changes. Uh, you know, I never before had to think about diet and weight and how what to eat, when to eat, how to eat. Now I do. It's like you got to. It's you know, if, I, I, if you want to feel good, you have to be more restrictive. Whereas when when you know when we were in our twenties. Man, you could do anything you want, and yeah. You're fucking Wolverine, back. yeah. Man, it's like you were, it was great, and you think it's always going to be that way, and yeah. it's not going to. Always no, be that way. no, so I mean, no. but uh, yeah, I pour the moisturizer on, I drink lots and lots of water. Water, water. water, water,
2: yeah. Water's good, a little bit of moisturizer is always good, and then also, like, I, I really do think stress is the well, I mean, yeah, you know alcohol, drugs, and smoking age the fuck out of people. But if you don't do those things, stress is all. It, so I'm always trying to figure out like how to not stress and how to not stress in a world that is basically just running on gallons of stress at the moment. It's like, how do you, you know, I guess it is just take the evening walks or, you know, yeah. do, 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 do some breathing or just try to disconnect a bit. I don't know.
3: Well, you know, you, you never thought that you needed uh, avenues to de-stress but you've discovered that too going on a, a walk is just so peaceful and calm and it's it it you know stimulates the the blood system and the and and it's it's also social that you could you're with your wife your dog and you're going and it's just it realized this is great you know what the other thing back in the day when when you're trying to find a place, I love the GPS now when you, you can just go punch in the address. Yeah. Here you go. Directions go. Yeah. It says, so for the first time you can actually just drive. And it says in a half a mile, turn left. And it's like, yep. okay,
2: I think I will. <laughs> all right, and
3: robot. You know, whereas before you're going, what's it, what's the street name? Can you see the street? Where, where is that? I don't know. Turn right. Like, you know, and, and getting out the Thomas guy the Thomas guy.
2: Okay, turn to page one twenty-eight. That's in G five grid. Okay, that goes. Oh, there's cold water. Fuck, I don't know where. That's right, and it goes that you got to. Uh, this
3: continues on page three sixty. Wait, which San Vicente like, is ah. this?
2: Oh no, that's the it's, San Vicente that's in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Look, I don't know where the fuck I am.
3: Yeah, and it's it's stressful, and um. So any any time that you can find avenues to de stress, man, I, you know, like a massage or even, I took a bath the other night, and I was like. Am pitch dark. Yeah. There's no electricity in my house. And so I just ran a hot bath, lit a candle, and just sat in the oh. bath. Going, uh, this is fantastic.
2: You were, you were remembering your spirit thing. Oprah Winfrey <laughs> style is what you were doing. You were having a... You were, there you go. It's oh, yes, funny a, you used to
3: say that because Oprah was in the bath with me. Oh, that's it really was, interesting.
2: Uh,
3: that's really yeah. interesting. And
2: she was reading yeah. to you from the book club. <laughs> Yes.
3: Now I, I got to tell you if you took if you took the physical sexuality out of it completely
2: that would be an interesting way to spend an hour. I honestly didn't see it in a dirty way at all. I just saw it as like oh they're just like you know they're like siblings taking you know like you know 5-year-old siblings taking a bath. They're just like there's like a That's there's, right. to- there's a bath toys and they're you know having shampoo fights and you know I'm right, on, I'm right. ready to come it's out now. Farting. Yeah, there's there, there's yeah, there's an underwater fart war. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, all yeah. those things. That goes without saying. <laughs> 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 That's the headline to the podcast. Someone's <laughs> gonna take that literally. Brian Cranston takes bath with no, it's yeah. it's a bit. We're just they doing will. bits. They, By the way, speaking of bits, I, I love the bit that you and Aaron Paul did on the with the the robots. Just going up to, oh yeah, just going going up to random people with the robots, and then like the, had the tablet with your faces, just telling people happy weird. birthday.
1: Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why.
0: I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it
1: faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
3: And uh, the delivery service, Drizzly, that's that we got together with. And we were actually in our homes, So it was very COVID-friendly from our standpoint. Yeah. We were in our homes, and we were operating the robots truly from our computers. Yeah. The, the, up, the, the arrows. And we were like, we could turn it one way or the other. We could raise the, the thing to get taller or lower, and we can go forward, backwards. It was really... It was really a lot of fun. It was like a, it was like a, a, you know a video game that became that came to life. And so uh, I think we're going to do some more of those. But it was fun just to surprise people and give them a bottle of Dos Hombres for their birthdays. And this has been a hell of a year. It's been you know everybody's stressed out like you're talking about and worried about the election and COVID. And it's been very dehumanizing to this this year in many many ways and uncivil and crude and, and unkind in so many other ways. It's, it feels like, you know, I can't wait for this to get over so that we can live again.
2: Well, and, and I think, you know, just hearing all the things that you've done, it's like, well, what can you do? You donate platelets because you want to help people because you had COVID, you know, like you, 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 you send these robots out, you, you know, like you try to cheer people up just to make them feel better. You know, it's like, the, the, those are the things and those are the kind of Brian Cranston things that I would expect that you would do, you know? It's like, well, I'll, I'll just see if I can make... Because I remember when the, the very first time you were on the podcast, I'd, really, I'd thought I had, had really hit a wellspring of, of talking to performers and hitting the, like, you know, let's talk about all your insecurities and let's really unearth. And you go, you know, I'm fine, you know? Like, I knew I wanted to act. I, I, there wasn't really a backup plan I would I was happy just living in an apartment and being a working like there wasn't any any of that underneath. And I'm like, God damn, how do we bottle Cranston? Like, how do we how do we just like squeeze out some of his essence and absorb that level of comfort with like, you know what? The world can be a difficult place, but you you power through it and you do what you can for the people that you care about. Like, where where does that come from?
3: Uh Oh, I don't know I, I think there's part, part of it is work ethic and 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 a lack of a sense of entitlement I I, I just feel like nothing the world doesn't owe me anything my career doesn't owe me anything no one's trying to upend me and everyone's on their own track that's why I have no I have no jealousies of anyone else's success um, even at an uh, many years ago because it's, it has nothing to do with me. Uh, and so I just, you know, you, you're absorbing, you're taking in different elements of, of things that, that resonate with you, that, that help your soul, that rid you of any of the kind of the ugliness that we can sometimes hang on to. Yeah. And it's a process. And, you know, I mean, I, I think when I was in my twenties, starting out in my career, I was hustling and, and trying to figure out how to crack in. And, and I did have some, God, that guy, why does he work? Man, I am so much better than that guy, you know? And then you'd see someone that, Oh man, he's really good. Wow. I don't know if I'd ever be as good as that guy, you know? So you're, you're really measuring yourself against someone else. And after a while I got tired of it and I just got rid of all that and I don't do it. I just, I don't read reviews in fact, in, even in my social, I send out information that is important to me, and I and I welcome responses, even if the, they're nasty ones. It's like that's okay, uh, but I don't take it to heart. I, I don't. It doesn't affect me. I don't engage in a battle with anyone who has a different opinion. In fact, I welcome different opinions.
2: Oh, that level of comfort that you have with saying, you know, none of that stuff has anything to do with me, even when people are coming at me, that's a, very, uh, that's a very strong, balanced sense of self. And I feel like that's a thing that people are always trying to find, the balance. How do, we not, how do we not be affected both negatively and positively by all the external things that happen in the world? How do we not personalize everything? How do we not take things to heart? And it just sounds like there's something innately about you where you just are able to disconnect yourself from it and go, you know, my self worth and my sense of self, it just doesn't rely on the external world. I, you know, like I'm me, and that's fine, and that, like, and that that's that's a gift because that is that is that's a very hard thing to to attain. It's a level of enlightenment, actually.
3: Well, I don't. It's not innate. It's something that came over time through maturity and, and aging and and really, truly assessing what's important and what's not. You know, the things that we thought were important 15, 20 years ago, you go, oh, my God, why did I obsess over that thing? It's like, it's really not that important. Let it go. And so I've just taken that to heart on many other things. For example, uh, anyone I talk to that says they're stressed out and I said, well, what'd you do last night before oh, you know, I, I did, I I, I go. There, I eat, I wash up, I get ready for bed, I watch the news, I go, stop. That's the worst thing you can do. Right before you bed? Not, yeah. You are preparing yourself for ease and sleep, and you are overstimulating. The news is the worst thing you can do before you go to bed. It implants ideas and suggestions like a, like a hypnotist. And, and it and it puts it in there, and then it could aggravate the hell out of you and develop so much anxiety it's just not good. So what I'm saying is that you need to assess yourself and know what's good for your soul and what is not, just like you assess what's good for my body. Do I want to put this in my body? Do right. I want to eat a chili cheeseburger at two o'clock in the morning is that Is that what's going to be good? Oh yeah, you know, <clears throat>
2: yeah, that's exactly right. You're talking about like the sort of making the analogy of the like, what's the emotional food that we're feeding ourselves? What's the what's the soul food that we're feeding our the soul food? What what's the food for the soul that we're that we're jamming in right before we go to bed? Yeah, we all we, <laughs> my wife likes the TV on. She just likes the the chatter of the TV to fall asleep. Ooh,
3: ooh. and,
2: and uh, I don't I don't mind it, but the last few nights. <laughs> we've been falling asleep to we just put on the old forensic files the peter thomas narrated forensic files and it's it's a we we watch a lot of the true crime shows but with that one you know peter thomas he's just that voice that's very synonymous with the kind of the announcer you know like he's just the he's the guy that did the voice for the 99919 song from the 80s that guy that has the and but he does a bit of acting in this show. So, like when they're recreating a murder in the show, he'll, he'll go, and then the assailant moved in, and then he struck him with a knife, and then he attacked. Like he gets. And so, I, I found the last couple of nights, it's incorporating itself into my dreams, and I'm having the most stressful dreams. What? You're, you're
3: sounding like this is a surprise to you. It's not it surprising at
2: all. I just, I don't yeah, know why it's not, but it the point is, you're not right.
3: Invade. I'm telling you. Try something new instead of the the chatter or the talking heads on news or or reenactment of a murder.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. guys. Yeah,
3: light the candle, put on some spa music, <laughs> contemplate. You know, I mean, it's just let it go. You, it, there are there's a time for everything.
2: <laughs> Wait, I'm telling
3: that... <laughs> you, it's gonna make a it's gonna make a difference.
2: Lydia is Lydia really loves the bath tr- with Oprah. That's what, that's what you need to do. Yeah. You need, yeah. You need to, (laughs) but it's not, again, it's not dirty. It's, it's, it's very friendly. It's a very friendly. No, it's, it's just a nice, like, Oh, that's so no. And you're just having a conversation about your day. It's a cleansing bath inside and out. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Yes. 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 It's, it's really nice. It's really nice. (laughs) But Lydia loves, she loves the true crime. I like them, but she loves the true crime shows. And I put on just for a change the other night. I put on like a, I thought, oh, you know, a, a series called Discover Ireland, where it's just like there'll be rolling green hills and all uh, sorts of castles. It was on for two minutes, and she was like, "You have to turn that off." There's a fucking piccolo in there, and that fucking piccolo, It was like a piccolo or something. Do-do, do-do, do-do. and it just I'm, she couldn't tolerate the piccolo. Yeah. But the murder shows like put her right to sleep.
3: Wow. Yeah. Man, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could, I, I could, uh, if I could cohabitate with that. Your wife and I would not be able to live together.
2: <laughs> Shit. Well, I look, you know, n- not for anything. I was so just going to pitch wife swap, but if you, you know what? It's fine. If, I see that that's off the if, table it now. It
3: wouldn't work. You're just going to have to make it work in your own marriage. My <laughs> just to
2: I just, work. I was going to pitch a show, celebrity wife swap. I, <laughs> You know, just sit with it. <laughs> Sit with it in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you could call it husband swap, too. Either way, you know? It's like your yeah. partner is swapping out. Oh yeah, I don't know. It, you know, it's like, it, I think very few things are, would be surprising in 2020 anymore. And yet, you know, when you think about when people go, are we ever going to get through this? And I, and I go, yeah, I mean, we will get through it. Humans are adaptive. We, you know, when you, think about, when you think about the early part of the 20th century, where you have World War I and then a horrendous flu epidemic. Then you have a few years that are okay. Uh, then the great depression hits for 10 years. And then on the heels of the great depression is world war two. So there's like 16 solid years where the world is in utter turmoil. And then even when the war is, the war is over, then there is a period where things have to rebuild and recover. So that's another hit. So, you know, you're talking about like two, two full decades more and so and 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 people, you know, like people persevered. So I, I really do I do believe, I think the light at the end of the tunnel is that humans will will adapt, you know, like we will make it through it. We do, we do make it through.
3: You look at my father's generation, your grandfather's generation in the in World War Two, this is this was a, a real threat to humanity. I mean, there there this was it where you sucked it up and you had to Go to battle. You had to fight for the for the existence of your country. I mean, my God, and and we're complaining about wearing a mask. Yeah, that's your sacrifice. That's they don't compare, right? And the other the other analogy I like to point out is that okay, when I was a kid, the only seat belts we had was your mother's arm. As oh my, driving because you're that's... standing in the in the front of the bench seat, you know. Uh, station wagon and she would put her arm out there and that was a seatbelt. Yeah. So seat belts came in. When seat belts first came in, nobody wore them. No, nope, not doing it, not doing it. Can't tell me what to do. And then they became a law. And no, nope, not doing it, not doing it. And then they got tickets for not wearing safety belts. And then after a while you get used to it and you realize oh this is the way it is. Now there's not a car made that doesn't have an alarm. If you're not wearing your safety belt, safety belt and airbags (laughs) and airbags. So you get inside to me, if I don't, if I'm getting in a car and I don't have my seatbelt on, it feels weird. It feels like
2: I I just, it feels like it's not, I'm not quite ready yet. It's terrifying. I don't know if you had this in driver's ed and I'm, I can't, I'm sure they don't do this anymore. But when I I had driver's ed in the eighties, they showed us all those like red asphalt, you know, like where you see yes. actual crash films of people who didn't wear seatbelts. That I mean, it was traumatizing, like just people dead in their cars, like folded up in their cars, and that I don't know, I don't, I can't say I think that was a great tactic. I mean, I I wear my seatbelt all the time though. But you only really <laughs> have to be in one car accident where you're wearing your seatbelt and you realize. Oh, I, that probably would have – I don't think – I don't know if I would have walked away from that if I hadn't had my seatbelt on.
3: Or you could have been severely damaged. Yeah, so yeah. the point is now they're talking about wearing masks as being an impingement on your freedom. And I say, well, what about your seatbelts? What that's That was the same argument back in the day. And it's like we know wearing a seatbelt will save lives. It's There's no – there's no possible way anyone can refute that.
2: Yeah, it doesn't matter what you believe. The truth of the matter is, it's, yeah, seatbelt's going to save you if you're in a car accident. It's just facts. Yeah, And the same thing with science
3: on wearing the mask. It will save people from spreading the disease. No exceptions to that. That's science. And yet people are, no, oh, I don't want to do it. It's an infringement of my personal rights and things like that.
2: And it's like, yeah. And I just pitch you. A, I just want to pitch you a show idea. I want to pitch you another show. This is better, way better than Celebrity Wife Swap. <laughs> uh, it's okay. you and Aaron Paul in the robot devices. You go around and find people not wearing masks, and you pull up to them and you just interview them and go, "So why, why are you not?" And then you just try to have a reasonable conversation with them about why they're not wearing masks. I like it. I,
3: I it it yeah. Well, uh, what it will be on Bravo or something. Right? <laughs>
2: yeah it'll be a, it'll be on whatever's left of television after <laughs> whatever is left of television you know and we'll it will
3: give you a mask and a bottle of dos hombres
2: and a bottle of dos hombres yeah it, drink yep. this when you get home and where you can take the
3: mask off oh have yeah been, and, go ahead have you been drinking
2: more since uh since the pandemic no i've been sober for 17 years i i don't drink at all wow. And, uh, and and I don't miss it. And there hasn't been one time during the pandemic where I thought, gosh, I'd really love to have a drink because I just I, I know it would make me feel worse. Yeah. So I I,
3: I think of people who ha- are in that position who who struggle with that. And during the pandemic, I, I would wonder that it would be harder to reach out for that support to be able to hold on if you're, if you are tempted and it's no great thing. I I think, I think uh, challenges like these, um, just exacerbate the current condition in good or bad. A good marriage will get better through challenging times. A a bad marriage will be exposed and fall apart. Right. And it's the same thing with addiction or anything like that during this time. It's gotta be, really tough on those those people who are struggling. Even if they don't have the disease, they're feeling the ramifications of the disease by sheltering. And that's not always, that's that's not good for, for a lot well, of people. Well,
2: it's hard too, because if, you know, like I, my perception of a lot, you know, of, of a lot of drinking is, you know, you're just like numbing and you're, you're trying to control your emotions and you can do that if you take a drink or you know or or any kind of addictive behavior and so it's it's really trying to learn how to manage and be comfortable with feeling uncomfortable no one ever wants to feel uncomfortable and our society like we have a whole you know capitalist society built around trying to you know hey don't feel uncomfortable don't feel uncomfortable and so it's like you know again i think it's a testament to these walks it's like well that is that is a way you know like being outside and sort of like getting pulled into the present and really been trying to focus on that. Like, well, in this moment, I am okay. My wife is okay. My mom is okay. Her mom is okay. Okay. That's what we have. I'm going to take that in this moment as the win. And and I'm just going to try to shove everything else out at the moment, you know, until I feel better later. And then I can kind of deal with that. So some of, a lot of it's just sort of like, you know, like managing and navigating the emotions, but I've, I've actually weirdly, Maybe not weirdly, but I've really appreciated my sobriety during this time because. And again, I don't, I don't throw shade at anybody who is dealing with this. However, they deal with it. If people are drinking, fine. If they're not drinking, fine. But I am glad that with this Zoom, with with this like tele video conferencing technology, my hope is that there are more group meeting options for people who, um, who need it in an instant that maybe can't in the old days couldn't like wait to get to a meeting and have to drive to a meeting. It's now like, maybe they can just drop into one that's happening on, you know, like on zoom or something. So, yeah. you know, I, cause when you think about it, we didn't really, this video conferencing thing, we didn't really use it that much before March. Like it, we had it, but it's not like, it wasn't like the video phones that, you know, we were promised from old sci-fi and now it's like, it's just such a normal part of our culture now.
3: Well, you're going to see how it, how it affects everything. Um, You know, the, the uh, commercial office space business is going to drop completely. And what used to be a fallback uh, of video conferencing, Oh, Oh, I, I couldn't get my, my, my flight or whatever. So we'll have to video conference. It was always a fallback. Now it's a norm and it's like, it's so much easier at the commute is is so short for everybody <laughs> it <just> goes <laughs> to your table uh, the problem with that is 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 that it, it it's a facsimile of intimacy right is that i feel for the younger generation that don't see th- uh, that don't go on dates in human exchange they're yeah they're basically doing what we're doing here and looking oh he's very nice or she's very nice or whatever the case is and you you're getting a sense of oh yeah we've seen each other several times and it's like how many times have you seen each other in personally not often and it's right like wow that's yeah what are we what are we telling our souls what are we telling ourselves of of what is a natural relationship then if you're not actually in the same room with another person
2: yeah it's it's connection but without the human experience like we really were we really did evolve to be around each other to to see each other in real time like our you know to sort of be in this kind of chemical dance with the world you know and we 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 are now Kind of just making do with this kind of simulacra version of reality. However, yeah. I do think it is still preferable to, you know, a hundred years ago when people just couldn't get news as fast or wasn't, you know, like or couldn't share information. And then it's like, so it is a little bit of a an exchange. But but I feel. I feel like it is better this way. It's not, it's not perfect, but but I feel like this is this is the best way for now. You know. Yeah. And I I
3: miss, um, you know, we we have an industry like the movie theater business that may just completely collapse under the pressure of this, and then my my beloved uh, theater, you know, like doing Broadway, the Broadway theater businesses. Not being able to have that human experience like you talk about, about sitting in a room with a thousand other people and experiencing something at the same moment um, it's it's special, and it's it's I have no idea when when Broadway theater is going to be able to open back up to any great extent
2: yeah, I mean my you know i I just keep holding out this hope that you know that things will begin to normalize somehow (laughs) through some, maybe there's a vaccine that'll, you know, that'll stop it and then we'll be able to. and, And I do think people will be, I do think my hope is that those businesses will bounce back quickly when that is a thing that people can do again, because people will so be craving that those experiences again. And I don't, you know, I don't think it'll be like, you know, in 20 years, oh, back in the old days, you used to be able to, go into a, you know, a theater and sit next to a person and, you know, people smelled horrible and, you know. Is that the old man voice? Yeah, it was the old man voice. Yeah, that was the old man voice. okay that's good. Yeah, Yeah, back in those days. (laughs) It's weird because it's sort of like a 20s old man. Oh, I don't know why I'm talking like this now, but this is the guy.
3: Uh, It also reminds me of that of that Western guy, a guy in the Western towns. Oh, I went to the livery stable. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Here comes Billy the Kid. Oh, he's swinging! Oh, he's swinging both irons real hard. Here comes! Here he comes! There's going to be a showdown. It's the old prospector, you know, with the big, yeah. fluffy white beard and the, you know, the big, kind of like the hats. Well, you can see my hat's kind of like fraying on the top here. He's yeah. got the frayed hat, and it's all dusty and, you know, <laughs> gold. Yeah. It's that guy
3: is that is that what you would have been in the old West is the old prospector guy
2: oh old crazy prospector? yeah, well, I think I would have been you know that's a really great question. who would I have been it it would have been a super nerdy like i it would have been a super nerdy guy I either would have played cards or chess or something but had no physical or gun skills. I would have avoided you know physical confrontation at all costs and uh and I might have gone out to live to prospect for gold where I would go slowly insane and then become the, hey, it's a gold, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think
3: I would have been the guy running the general store, wearing an apron, you know, and. Uh.
2: Yes, but who was also the weekend sheriff. I'd see you as the general store guy who's like, you know what? Our sheriff got shot, but. It's not a. It's a thankless job, but I'll do it because it needs to be done. I, I I see you as general store proprietor and weekend no, sheriff. there's no fucking way
3: I would be a weekend sheriff. That guy always gets killed in every story. The weekend but, sheriff,
2: but not you. You're Brian Crane. You're Sheriff Brian oh, Cranston.
3: Please, you just want you wanted me to die. Oh.
2: <laughs> well, that's because I want to get to your gold. <laughs> you got some gold in that general store. Check his feelings. Oh my God! <laughs> Hold a mirror up to his mouth. He's not real, I tell you. Yep. Yeah, there was there was one actor who always played that old prospector type when I was growing up, and it was like that. That's the guy that's in my head, you know. It's just ish. Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, well,
3: I forget his name too, but I remember seeing him.
2: Yeah, um, he always talks he like this. He always talks like he, Everything's like. Yeah. Do you think people would be upset if we did the whole if we started the podcast over and just did it that way? Brad, I understand you had the COVID nineteen. Well, I did have that COVID. I
1: did. I did,
2: <laughs> and I shed it. I had body aches, something terrible. How <laughs> oh, dear. it was fierce. <laughs> no gold though. I was hoping I'd poop gold. Didn't poop any gold. <laughs> always looking for gold.
1: And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
2: Actually, I did want to ask you, by the way, as we were sort of talking about earlier, how is the Mezcal business, the the Dos Hombres business going?
3: God, it's going unbelievably well. Um, This is this came out of left field for me uh I, about three years ago i was having a dinner with aaron in uh new york and we hadn't seen each other breaking bad had already been off the air for three years or so and we used to see each other every day and we you know we worked together so closely and we become really really good friends and we were lamenting the fact that we didn't get a chance to see each other very much anymore. And he said, you know, what we ought to do is go into the Mezcal business. And I, I laughed because that's got to be a joke. And he was serious. And I went, what are you talking about Mezcal business? And, and he said, no, hey, it's so great. It's 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 an it's re, it's an old spirit. And it's been around for ages, but not many people really know about the Mezcal business or Mezcal's. in in general so we went to a mezcal bar and we and i said okay i'll try it and we and i just fell in love with it it was just not what i remembered as a kid with a little worm at the bottle and the bottom of the bottle and it was just it smelled like antiseptic something you'd clean your your kitchen tabletops with and that's what you're supposed to drink and it was like but this was just amazing tasting and so i said well let's go down to oaxaca Let's spend a week. Let's taste some. If we find something we both love, let's try it. But if we don't, let's just not do it. And that was the agreement. And I didn't think we were going to find it. I thought we were just like having a cool week-long vacation down in Oaxaca. And um, because he likes a a real strong scotch. You know, it'll, uh, it'll burn down your lungs kind of scotch. Right. I like to be seduced with my art and and the art of spirits is no different. I want I want to be invited in. I I want to be curious about something and slowly be introduced to it. And so I don't want something that slaps me in the face, whether that's music or art or architecture or spirits or food. I don't want to or getting slapped
2: in the face too. Like getting slapped in the face is also getting slapped in the face. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: And so it was our last day that we were there and we were at a, at a little town called San Luis del Rio. There's only 400 people in this little town. It's beautiful. They've got one landline telephone, no cell service. It takes it's about three hour drive from Oaxaca City, which is already very small. And the last hour is a switchback up a, a mountainous road, dirt road to get to this little town. It's not easy. But yet we met a guy there named Gregorio Velasco who has since become our partner in it. And he is the maestro, the mescalero, and he makes this beautiful spirit and it, it appealed to both of us. So we went into it and we're, we're loving the business. We're done really well. We, you know, there's, there's hundred there's, I would say there's, I'm, I'm not sure exactly the number. I think it's like hundred and, Forty different brands of mezcal. Oh wow! It's, yeah, and and yet we're now number twelve uh, in a little over a year. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, we're just we're it's in in we're in total wine, we're in Bevmo, we're in uh, ABC Liquors, we're all over the country, and um, and we're just growing like crazy. And it's because of this spirit is so tasty; it goes well with any fruit juice because uh right where our palenque is uh in this little town this mountainous town um are mango trees and banana trees and so the cross-pollination that the bees give us and the bats give us um is the are these beautiful fruits and that you could taste that in the mezcal and it's just it we're having a great time and and um yeah, and so we're we're uh, we're continuing on and and growing the company, and it's a, it's a lot of fun.
2: Is it a hacky joke to suggest that you got? I'm even as I'm about to say this out loud, I'm like, don't say this. This is the stupidest joke. You and Aaron making the mezcal in a Fleetwood Bounder RV. Listen, I'm just pitch. I'm just throwing it out there, just just uh, to give not- some of the fans. I can already tell this was a bad idea. You're being. Yep. I can tell you're being very kind. <laughs> not all bits are not all bits gold. Hard and fighting
0: gold.
3: In <laughs> uh, we it's funny because when we first saw this palenque, uh, which is their the word for for the little processing plant, and it's very rural. Our Dos Hombres is artisanal, which means and we can't put it on the bottle unless it is, we cannot have any modern technology in the processing of our product. Oh, is that what that
2: means? I actually never knew what that meant.
3: Yeah. And I mean, our we have a donkeys on our bottle label because donkeys play an important role in this. There is, there is no electricity at our Palenque where we produce Dos Hombres. There's, there's running water in the stream next to it. And that's where we get our fresh mountain water. But the only two ingredients in Dos Hombres is smoked chunks of agave that are mashed Mm -hmm. down and obviously fermented then distilled and water it's agave and water and that's it and and we have it's a natural process it's when we first saw the palenque they said it's across the river so we had to take off our boots and hike up our pants and cross the river and then uh, the guy who was leading this uh this party i guess this uh, search party for the palenque ha- had a machete and he was hacking all this vegetation down so that we can get through in this little pathway and when it came into a clearing aaron stopped and went shit this is just like a meth lab i mean it looked like a, <laughs> a, a, an, like a little ad hoc meth lab that popped up in the middle of the jungle and it was
2: like oh my god it does it's just... Art imitates life. Life imitates that's art. That's right. But this so is legal, we, at least. This is... A, the, you're, ma- you're manufacturing a, you're major- it's a... It's a legal chemical process.
3: It's a legal chemical process. It's a, it's a beautiful spirit. You know, most people are familiar with tequila. Tequila is a mezcal, but a mezcal is not a tequila.
2: Got it. Got it.
3: So what happened is about 100 years ago, mezcaleros from all through Mexico... We're making mescal out of any agave. That's what mezcal is. Okay. A spirit native from agave. Well, in this one region, they were making their mezcal out of the blue agave, the big leafed, big, huge piñas that you get from this massive, the biggest agave that's grown. And so the yield is far greater. So the other mezcaleros were saying, this is really not fair for you to call that mezcal when you're because they can make so much more and they can undercut prices and things like that. So the government stepped in and said, okay, you, you guys can continue making your mezcal, but you have to do two things. You have to only make it from the blue agave only, and you have to change the name and you cannot call it a mezcal anymore. You have to call it something else. Okay. And so because the biggest city that they were making this blue agave mezcal was from was called tequila. They called their mezcal tequila, and that's oh, wow. why, why it's a different. I had no idea. Yeah, today okay. most tequila is done in a processing plant. That's that they manufacture this so fast. Instead of smoking mm-hmm. their mezcal, they steam it. They put it in a big silo. They 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 really truncate the the process. Uh, there's still some tequila makers that that do it the old-fashioned way, but few and
2: far between. And are you ever going to manufacture any that has chunks of gold in it? That was the last yeah, time to do that gold. bit. That was the, the last, last one? time, Brian. I don't think it's going to be the last time. Shit, not in my life, but maybe in this podcast. <laughs> I, but who knows? You know, I'm unpredictable. But this idea, like even just hearing you describe that, all I can think about is like, there's Brian Cranston in his old old West general store selling this like. <laughs> This hand, this handmade mezcal, mezcal. That's right. That's right. Well, to
3: try some, let me give you a ladle full. <laughs> Put it in a mason jar or a ball jar.
2: There you are. <laughs> i think mean, it up good. I'm telling you, man. Listen, listen. I know, I know. The old west was rough, but there are certain elements of like the simpler time where it's just like, ah, you know, you just. You walked to you walked across the street to your store. your town was a main street, maybe you had some farmland like it those, those those simple things like they just feel very um refreshing, even though i even though I know it was a much more violent time to live like it's still yeah violent, and also if you got the measles, you die you oh yes yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it's good. Yeah. Dave Dave Chappelle used to have this bit about like that, about how di- I mean I'm not going to do it justice so I won't do the bit but it was just basically like if you got diarrhea in the 1800s you probably were going to die and it was yeah. like what happened I got diarrhea you know? it's like oh yeah you could just get diarrhea yeah. and it would fucking kill you it, it was like
3: t- take it to the old man you know your old man gold prospector guy yeah yeah he's the old man he's probably mid 40s
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks a hundred yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the
3: You're one the just like
2: guy. But he also, like, he also smears, like, let me crush up a bee's nest. I'll put that in some mud. I'll smear that in your eyes, and you'll be upset. You'll be fine. And, of course, none <laughs> of it worked. And then everyone got sicker, you know, because they just didn't understand medicine. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay, so it's not the – okay, it wasn't maybe not the best time to live, but – It's not the best time to live, no. But there is a romantic idea of just sort of living on a, you know, living on a farm or a ranch and running a local business and not, you know – not being weighed down by any more than that.
3: There is, there is. I think, I think the more anxiety that we feel in our present day life um, and, and in, in a good way, I think COVID has created this. You discovered the simple beauty of a walk. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Just go for a walk. Just take a pause we were forced to stay home. Uh, a lot of families, like, well, let's put a puzzle together. Let's, put, and it's like, oh, you know, this was kind of fun, and and simple things like that, that um, that we've forgotten because we're so damn busy. Because we think our lives are so important or, or more valuable. The busier we are,
2: well, we're distract. Like so much of our lives, I feel like before we're distracting ourselves from. Dealing with real stress and anxiety, but we just get into this momentum where we just go, 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 go. And then you don't ever have to stop to breathe or deal with stuff. And of course, that doesn't fix anything. It just delays (laughs) while things compound. And so just the idea of like having to stop, take a breath and, you know, as horrible as the situation is, these are the cards we're dealt right now. So what can we do? We can take walks. Yeah. We can take responsibility. We can appreciate yeah. what we have. We can live in the moment. We can appreciate the people that are close to us. And, and you know, it's, and and with yeah. me, I took a bath with Oprah.
3: <laughs> so that's that's how <laughs> that, I relax.
2: That's your yippity gold bit. You keep going. Back, <laughs> I keep going back to. <laughs> a, we each have a we each have Our, a tent pole uh, callback. Run, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, running I love love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh, by the way, I was just reading someone, there was an artist on, I don't know if you saw this, but there was an artist on Instagram who imagined you as Doctor Doom. And it kind of it it kind of blew up the internet a little bit. And people were like, oh my God, Cranson would be a fucking amazing Dr. Doom. I wish I could send you the picture of it because it looks really cool. Should I look just, up? To try I'll to figure out up. how to how to wedge you into the to the Marvel universe.
3: I I have never, uh, the, the closest I've done to that kind of thing was I did uh, a thing on um, the Power Rangers a couple of years ago. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: saw that. Yes, of course. You yeah.
3: were the computer. I was the computer. And and that was the weirdest thing, because when I was shooting it, they had a, a chin harness for me. Because in order to do the visual effects, I had to actually place my chin and not move it. So my everything I was doing was talking like this and looking straight forward. So as the face would move from place to place, but I couldn't move my face. And it was it was the weirdest thing just to put your head in a in a device that kind of froze you in a position, and then just and then they painted that out. Of course, acting yeah. in the twenty first century, the strangest <laughs> thing. But the Marvel universe um, is is actually yeah I would love to to do something unique like that and and uh
2: Dr. Dr. Doom huh yeah they they it, it, it's really cool. whether it's Dr. Doom or anything else or maybe it's the DC universe I don't know but I just feel like you know as again one of the first things you said to me the first time you were on the podcast was talk I I retained a lot of it was about how like I never like to repeat. I always like to do something different. I like to go in different directions, explore different things, and I just feel like the superhero universe. It, it's there, there's there's something out there for you because it, th- those roles really light up when you put an amazing actor in like a cool superhero or sci fi thing. It just it just elevates it to another level. So I'm I I hope you're open to it. Maybe it'll generate some you know maybe some studio had to be like get. Get Cranston on the phone. Let's get him in here. Oh, he, that's the old guy. Sorry. I, I, don't, I have a very limited bag of characters. <laughs> Prospector and old guy, and they're both no, pretty similar right. cousins. That's right. <laughs> don't you tell me about gold. Get off here. There's no gold here. I'm tired of your attitude.
3: <laughs> that second
2: guy has to have a cigar, right? Yeah, of course he has a cigar. Yeah. 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 yeah, of course he has a cigar. He has a cigar and he eats steak for breakfast. He's, he's just like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. B- Bates and whiskey.
3: Um, I'll have to look that up, Dr. Doom. I'll have to see what that looks like if someone uh, is promoting that. But yeah, I would like I'd like to do something new and different like that. And and of course the challenge in that because there those films are all very broad-stroked characterizations and plot heavy, right? It's yeah. like this is going to happen and you got to stop this guy from doing that or else this will be the result, uh, you know. Yeah. So how do you then carve out a memorable character within
2: the confines of that structure? It's backstory, like if you remember, you know the original uh, X Men from two thousand was so revolutionary for superhero films because the human the, the the villains were humanized. Like you saw, Magneto was the re- the reason that he had this worldview as because of extreme trauma as a child. And so right. you understood, oh, he's going about it in a fucked up way, but you can see why being traumatized in the way that he was, like, it, it gave the character depth more than just, I'm going to create chaos, you know? Again, well, it just was right in the middle of those two other characters. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Your evil. evil character. Was. yeah it's not yeah. there's there's not a lot of range there it's uh, they're yeah. all the same they're all brothers but uh and so i feel like you know if if the right role presented itself and you were able to give it the right backstory with the right depth and the right I, I think it would be are you at the point in your career where you could call your agent and go get me a superhero movie and they go okay and then they just start fishing around and see what's out there do you do you get to do that or do you just kind of wait to see what comes in even
3: your impersonation
2: of me, give me a superhero movie. Limited bag of tricks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that guy, so this guy used to run a studio, but then all the studios were crumbling. So then he became an agent. I used to run the biggest studio in this town. Now, I'm going to get you a superhero role.
3: (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to usually work from the outside in, meaning, like, I want to find this, so then look for that. I usually find, try, I find my characters organically in the sense that someone's passion wrote a story that I see the character is there and I'm, I'm leaning into it and, and it grew naturally out of someone's real, true interest in writing something. And that doesn't mean that it can't be a, a superhero um, universe. I certainly would be open to that, but I, I, I'm not interested in doing, you know, a character that's been done before really. And, and, you know, he would, Oh, he'd be the, uh, he'd be the seventh, 17th commissioner Gordon, you know, it's like, eh, uh, I'm not interested. Um, so, you know, um, I, so I'm open to it, but, uh, but we'll see. I've got a lot of, things on my plate now and we're we're doing uh, your honor down here and and that'll be on showtime in December. It looks and great
2: by the way. It looks it's like cool. it, it looks like one of those shows you know it's sort of like uh, there's a there's definitely like a chess game going not literal chess but there's like there's definitely a chess game and it's a lot of it's it looks like there's a lot of like fucked up turns where you just are like oh oh my god and just people making not great decisions and then having to cover up and deal with the consequences of those decisions, which are always the most stressful. So it it looks just riddled with that.
3: It is that The, the premise is that my son, um, was, was involved in, in an accident, a car accident. And you're a judge. I'm a judge. And my son, um, panicked and, and, and left the scene of, of the accident. And, it, and in, in, in his panic and haste, he, he realized, Oh, he's made a huge mistake when I get home and I hear the story and he t- tells me what happened. I say, well, you have to do the right thing. That uh, you will forever have a, a scarred soul if you don't take responsibility for, for your actions. So I convinced him that we need to turn himself into the police and, and, get representation and, and plead to the judge Look, he's never had a problem. He turned himself in. He made a mistake. He's underage, you know, and, and hope for the best. And we go to the police station and at the police station, we, we discover that the, the kid that he actually hit on a motorcycle died and that his parents, the father of the kid is a notorious gangster. A badass guy, like an Al Capone style, like old timey, yeah, old-timey, a, yeah. or even like a John Gotti kind right. of. Right, uh, uh,
2: you don't you don't fuck with him. It's like a crime family. Basically, you kill someone it's, in a, like the kid of a the head of a crime family. Yeah. So once
3: my character realizes who the victim was, I I knew instantly. It doesn't matter. that my son made a mistake. It doesn't matter even if it was his fault or not. It's not going to be good for him. This guy is going to kill my son regardless. So, So at that moment, he pulls back and he concocts, you know, alibis and destroys evidence forget
2: what i said before forget it forget what i said but you said yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Is exactly right
3: yeah. yeah he said no dad you're right we have to <laughs> no.
2: i was i wasn't feeling well I, yeah i was very tired what i meant to say yeah. was don't ever fucking tell anybody yeah so that's the premise
3: is that what would you do to save the life of your child and and any parent would say i would do anything to save the life of my child and it's like yeah well that's what this guy's facing and so oh god
2: those are the best and 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 it's like you know any any time where as the audience you can kind of you 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 pose that question to the audience what would you do in this fucked up series of circumstances that's why you know one of the reasons why the premise of breaking bad was so amazing what would you do in this situation the premise of this show what would you do i think it's why walking dead was so what would you do it you know in this situation rather than just having you know like one-dimensional characters who do what you expect them to do it there, there is that human like under these stressors and circumstances well, like there's no it's there's no real win it's all that kind of pyrrhic victory of like any win is a bloody victory somehow that's right it there's
3: there's consequences no matter what you and basically it's it's Whenever a a character or a person in our real lives, if we try to become someone we're really not, it's not going to end well. Right. Because you're you're faking it. You're faking your way through life. And you just can't you can't sustain that. And so that's what happens in this story. And that's what's, you know, stories all day. I think I think writers now and and audiences uh, are far more sophisticated now than they were when I was young. You could throw up anything on television or film and it's like, oh, okay. You know, and you watch it and some bad, you know, Murder, She Wrote and all those terrible t- TV shows of days gone past. That, of still watch I've it, still watch Murder, time. She Wrote, still oh, watch yeah. Murder, She
2: Wrote. Still convinced Jessica Fletcher is the murderer. You can't yes. have that many deaths in a small town in Maine. <laughs> yes. The whole, the whole series of Murder, She Wrote is Jessica Fletcher- reimagining all of the murders and pinning them on other people. She's convinced she's <laughs> rotting in a, in a, in a padded now, cell somewhere. That I would love to see. That's the story I want to see. <laughs> it, it just like, and then you see, you just see like she's in the cell and you see her doctor is Tom Bosley and William Cat is that it's like all the people in her life. She's cast them in the roles of murderers, <laughs> like in the <laughs> that's fantastic i love that idea yeah well you know i don't know if i don't know if angela lansbury's ever going to go along with it but if i ever run into her i'll pitch it angie angie baby angie listen you've done jessica fletcher as the crime solving this is now we this is edgy we need edgy murder she wrote what happened to your old kind crusty cigar chomping agent Oh, this was his assistant that, uh, oh. that took him over. He got him oh, okay. fired and he took over. He's living in the now, man. Come on. Right. Come on, Angie, baby. Yeah, he's it's yeah. like, I, I feel like all my characters, <laughs> you know what? All my characters are actually like of a decade. <laughs> the only time he is <prospector's> 1880s, <laughs> this guy's like 40s. And then yeah. come on, baby, what do you, he's the stockbroker. He's the guy that gets shot and die hard. Hans, yeah. baby, come on, yeah. we can blam. You know, he's that guy. So you have no contemporary characters whatsoever. No, it stops at around 87. Yeah, it yeah. stops around 87. I'm kind of sad. Yes. I got not I do no, <laughs> well in very specific period pieces. Very, very specific. That's about it. Um, look, man, I. Uh, I I love you to pieces. It's so good to see your face. I am so goddamn happy. I did not know that you had COVID, and I'm so glad that you're one of the lucky ones to able to to, to get through, and that you and your wife are okay. And um, you know, happy you're working, and 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 I'm I'm delighted that in the midst of a power outage, you somehow this again. This is the Brian Cranson that I know. You still did a fucking podcast. You still have set up portable lights and you had a little Mophie pack and you're powering your phone. And I just, man, I, every time, every time I get to see you, I just love you more and more. I really appreciate it.
3: Oh, Chris, I I appreciate it. I've known you a long time now. And I, I, uh, I always enjoy talking to you. And and especially your your prospecting old
2: man. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of gold in this podcast, Mr. Cranston. I think
3: <laughs>
0: one of
2: them gold is uh, having a nice friendly bath with Oprah. It's bath time with there Oprah. go. <laughs> <laughs> and so it shall be. And so it shall be. Well, the end, as we drift off into the sunset. <laughs> hey, that gold over there, I. Right ID Ten T skinning complete. Enjoy your
1: burrito.